Good morning, Middle Church. It feels good to be in such a warmly familiar place. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share with you and those who are joining us on this morning, even for these, these few moments. This is difficult because I, I come braced with all the exuberance of being back in, in such a warmly, wonderfully familiar place. But as I think about what marks this moment and why we consider this moment, I am deeply and profoundly conflicted. And, and maybe my conflict is reflected in the psalm that is the prescribed reading for today. How incredibly appropriate that that 71st psalm would be the one the lectionary would point us to on this day. Because in it, if you listen, the psalmist is saying, this is awful. This is horrendous. This is evil to the highest magnitude. But yet, somehow, a strand, a thread, a glimmer, a spark of hope is yet still part of the equation. How audacious it is to hope in the midst of what is surely hopelessness. And I would dare say, as we heard sung so poignantly a few moments ago, those whose feet set foot on Point Comfort in Virginia Colony in August of 1619 had no sense of, no cognizance of how there'd be any relief, any succor, any stability in their lives. As the ledger described, 20 and odd Negroes deposited in that place, in that moment, began, sustained the saga of slavery on this continent some 400 years ago. Can you hear them? Can you hear their, their moans of despair? Can you hear the fretfulness in their voices? Can you hear the pain? Can you smell it? Can you smell the stench of inhumanity? Can you smell the, 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 the weight of grievousness that had to be surrounding each and every one of them in that moment? And oh, so many who came after. Can you feel it? Can you feel the cloying presence of an institutionalized system of barbarism? This didn't happen in secret. This didn't happen under cover of darkness. It happened in plain sight. With the sanction, with the cooperation of all the powers that be. <laughs> Is it evil? Yeah. Of course it's evil. But simply calling slavery evil is too easy. For you see, it gives us an out if we just simply call it evil by spiritualizing it and making its origins otherworldly. 
No, this is not an evil born of the netherworld. The evil of slavery was systemic and devised by oppressors with clear heads anchored in economics, religion, politics, and culture. And every strand of the American story has been affected by yet what was called the peculiar institution of slavery. So when we talk about assessing evil, understand where it comes from. It doesn't come from some undefined place. No, it comes from people sitting down with ledgers and and counting out coins and figuring out the political stratifications, much like it happens today with supremacy and oppression. So the very same way in which slavery had to be approached and resisted and overcome maybe is the very same formula that needs to be employed even in our midst now. But these individuals who represent so many who came in the course of the Middle Passage from that point on really represent an audacious measure of hope that's really beyond my comprehension. I was at a gathering with a couple of you here in in, in the congregation as well a few evenings ago when Colson Whitehead, the author of the Middle Passage and now the Nickel Boys, spoke to the fact that the very fact that we, people of color, African Americans, are here is a, a tribute to the audaciousness and the miraculousness of how events have unfolded. Who's to say that those who, who bore my primal DNA would not have succumbed to the middle passage or been killed even as they entered into or exited in the gate of no return or were subjected to the inhumanities of slavery here in the Americas, but yet, here we are. In plain sight, this institution was woven into the very fabric, the fact that some nearly 150 years later, those who were the framers, if you will, of the Declaration and the Constitution thought that it was appropriate to speak about equality and that all men were created equal. And even with that narrow parenthesis, it was a brazen untruth that remained untrue and yet still has not been fully rectified. But again, all of this happened in plain sight. But along with the realities, the inhumanities of slavery, the evil, the systemic and intrinsic evil of slavery happening in plain sight, thanks be to God, something else has unfolded in plain sight as well. For you see, as early, and by the way, let me just say, and I'm so thankful that Jackie has done an amazing job, as, as has been happening. Uh, I've seen it on Instagram and elsewhere. Uh, the 1619 Project that is uh, in the New York Times is truly singular and seminal. And I commend it to all of you. It is, is a, it's incredibly accessible. It, it, it's written in a way that really speaks into uh, one's consciousness. I was literally, I was on the plane yesterday coming back from San Francisco and, 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 and was 
enraptured in reading uh, one of the most recent installments of it. So I say that to say that in reading that, but you don't necessarily just have to read that, but you can find that the reality is that in other places, also in plain sight, in the midst of the inhumanity of slavery, there was the persistence of resistance, both in deed and in spirit. Thanks be to people like Richard Allen and James Varick and Samson White and Sojourner Truth and Thomas Paul and Harriet Tubman and Ida B. Wells because in plain sight, they made sure that their voices and their actions pushed against the formidable foe of institutionalized white supremacy and the institution of slavery. So in as much as we need to recognize the reality of slavery as it has existed in plain sight, we need to honor the legacy of those who have resisted and persisted throughout all of the saga and all of the journey. Don't let anyone tell you how insulting it is. You know, and I hear this in more than a few occasions that, that, that somehow that, 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 that enslaved Africans were subjugated and, and, and pacified by the Christianity of their oppressors. Well, that represents a very shallow and inadequate reading of the reality of what unfolded. Because you need to know that what unfolded was that that Christianity, yes, was offered up by those oppressors for the purpose of pacifying those who would hear it. Something else happened. Because that, that Jesus who was meant to be seen as a meek and lowly and humble, passive servant, ended up being understood to be a liberator, one who justified, one who equipped, one who enabled those to endure, and not only to endure, but yet to ultimately overcome. So the reality is that <laughs> the faith that unfolded in the breast of my ancestors was not one that pacified, but one that emboldened and liberated even in a scenario and in a circumstance that offered no hope. So we need to honor those who've come before and who were not quiet and who were not still. And we see in them the template, I hope, for how we ought to be about the business of anti-racism today. How we ought to persist even today, yes, in plain sight. One of the most powerful things that I think we can make sure we, we lay claim to is that no one else can own our story. We need to understand that no matter what the past has been, infusing my journey and my struggle with a hope, a hope beyond hopelessness, makes the narrative my own. How else could it be that we sit in an institution that was incorporated some 300 some odd years ago nearly and was a direct beneficiary from the largesse of slavery such as Dutch New Amsterdam so that the collegiate churches in their footing are the recipients of that legacy on some degree. How is it now, now that could have been left idle and could have been just left as it was. 
But here we sit today (laughs) as those who've come since that moment and are able in this very same institution to stand for what is right and just and to be anti-racist in our very work and in our very witness. And if that's not the transformative hand of God, I don't know what is. So, so let me just say this. Understand that white supremacy and racism and, and, and as, as the outgrowth of slavery are intentional and institutional constructs, and the only way that we're going to battle them is with intentionality and with clear-headed strategy. And yes, that means going to Mitch McConnell and knocking on his door unrelentingly. Yes, that means standing in the face of the wickedness and the awfulness that drips out of the White House on a day-in and day-out basis. Yes, that means resisting all of those things that would stand in the way of what is just and what is right. Oh, we need to understand that those who, who've come before, those who, who, who are the, 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 the progeny of those whose feet set on Virginia's shore in 1619, yes, endured a hopelessness, or I should say an inhumanity beyond comprehension, but were infused with a hope that defied comprehension. For you see... I'm sorry, but there's something that just keeps persisting. There's something that just keeps breaking through every barrier, every restrictive wall that tries to stand as an obstacle. We still yet come through. I'm still here. Now, let me tell you something. I look the way I look not because the owner of the Gale Plantation in Kentucky courted my great-great-great-grandmother. Now, I I don't look the way I look because there was any romance involved. In fact, I I look the way I looked in in large measure, as as painful as it is to sometimes reconcile it, because of, of sexual violence that was so common and so understood that it was woven into the regular fabric of society. But guess what? I'm still here. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let the inequities and the inhumanities of the past define and suppress my voice and my presence. And we need to make sure that as we stand here 400 years since, that we, yes, look back and recognize the realities of the inhumanities of this peculiar institution, which was not peculiar at all, but woven into the fabric of everyday life, and that we honor the voices of those who have stood in resistance, and now that we are embracing in plain sight a hope that defies hopelessness. Oh, we can do many things, and we need to do many things. We need to stand in the face of injustice and inequity and inequality. We need to make sure that our voices and our presence are heard. But sometimes, sometimes the one thing that we can always do, whether or not we have, 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 have at our access the tools that are necessary for doing some of those strategic things, sometimes we can just make the testimony of being present, being here, saying that I'm here. 
making sure that no matter how difficult things come, part of our spiritual practice, middle, needs to be able to, being, being able to say that we are yet here, that we harbor the hope of a God who does not fail us nor forsake us. I would not do dishonor to those who've come before me. Oh, yes, I can have my doubts. Yes, I can have my moments of difficulty. Yes, I can have my low moments. But I've got to remember too many people came before me who prayed through, who trusted through, who stood through, who soldiered through, who worked through, who made their way through difficulties that I cannot even yet imagine. And because they did that, I'm here. I don't know. I won't be so bold as to project and to think about what was going through the minds of those 20 and some odd Negroes who stood on the shores of Virginia Colony. Oh, I know that they were in, surrounded by the horrors of the moment. I know that they were indeed suppressed by a systemic system that would dehumanize and make them of no value by way of their personhood. But I'm going to go ahead and believe that even if it was a glimmer, even if it was ever so slight that it could barely be seen, I'm going to believe that in them there was a spark. Just like the psalmist writes, in the midst of a season of hopelessness, there was a spark that let them know that somehow, somehow, they could hold on to something that would not fail them. And can we use that even now in our journey? That sometimes I know it gets rough. I know we dare not turn on the news because of what will dishearten us and depress us. But think about those who've come before us in the span of these last 400 years. They knew what it meant to hope in the midst of hopelessness. And they knew, if nothing else, to be able to simply say, oh, I'll fight, I'll struggle, but most importantly, I'm here. Amen.